sqpn.com presents The Secrets of Angels and Demons. He exposed one of the greatest cover-ups in human history. But what terrifying discovery would make the Vatican turn to Robert Langdon? It's the ancient Illuminati threat. Destruction of Vatican City through light. They have struck us from within. There's a hidden trail through Roman cell. Robert, it's a dead end. No, it's not. Path is alive. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Secrets of Angels and Demons. I am Father Roderick and I'm here in St. Peter's Square in Vatican City. And I am about to take you as promised inside St. Peter's Basilica to show you around and to show you some of the wonderful creations by Bernini inside this basilica. And we will also talk a little bit about the tombs of the popes and the catacombs that are all um, discovered in archaeological research underneath this basilica. But before I can show you around inside the basilica, I have to pass through security. As you understand, um, there are strict security measures. Of course, it's stricter when the Pope is there and when there's a big celebration, but even on a regular day like this, you always have to pass through security. I will not take the risk to uh, leave my recorder on during that uh, uh, security moments because that, that might scare them and um, I just don't want to get into trouble and so uh, we'll just uh, head over to security get our bags checked and uh, pass through the metal detector and I will see you in uh, a couple of minutes just past uh, security. They always uh, make you go through these metal detectors and uh, you have to put your bag and belongings and electronic equipment through a scanner just at the, like at the airport. And um, of course that is all measures of security. They don't want people to smuggle in antimatter to blow up the Vatican. And I'm standing here uh, looking at the, the famous bronze port. Um, and uh, through the, the, the door, you can see uh, part of a hallway uh, with lights and there's a little desk on the left side. And in front of uh, standing on guard are two Swiss guards, uh, one holding a lance. He's uh, facing the left side of the door and the other one is facing us. And he stands in the middle of the entrance. Of course, they're not moving. They're, they have very strict instructions. However, they're extremely uh, friendly. And, and helpful. Uh, this is also the place, for instance, if you need tickets for the general audience on St. Peter's Square, this is the place where you go and they will give you these, these uh, free tickets and they will tell you whatever you need to know. Um, now these Swiss guards, since we're uh, on the topic, um, also feature heavily in, uh, in Angels and Demons. And as you have seen, if you've seen the movie, uh, they are depicted almost at, like uh, as an uh, uh, like a military force and they have these headquarters uh, stuffed with all sorts of electronic equipment that would make the uh, CIA blush uh, in embarrassment because they don't have that technical stuff um, and also there is this kind of weird room in front of the the central office of the Swiss guards uh, where you have you see all these ancient archaic weapons like axes and uh, just just horrible material and uh, bows and arrows and whatnot 
And uh, I don't know where they got that idea, but uh, it just makes, it just depicts this, uh, uh, these Swiss guards as being this very esoteric, strange kind of uh, uh, group of uh, military dudes. Well, you know, uh, when it comes to their military status, that is actually uh, uh, factual. Um, it's not called Swiss guard for nothing. Um, these are actually Swiss soldiers and they are they always go through a very strict uh, selection process. You have to, of course, apply. You've got to be Catholic. You've got to uh, have a certain uh, certain age, uh, certain physical qualities, etc., etc. It's, it's a very strict procedure. Not everybody um, is uh, allowed to um, to, uh, to 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 serve in the Swiss Guards, and so they get a, a, a very strong military training. However, they do not have helicopters and Uzis and and <laughs> all the high tech stuff that you see. Um, although they are trained, of course, as bodyguards of the Pope. And actually, I've seen um, these Swiss Guards in action once. I was um, in the Paul the Sixth Hall, which is across this uh, St. Peter's Square on the other side of the um, of the wall. How do you say that? Of the colonnade. Um, and, and there's this big modern hall and uh, uh, John Paul II would, would have his Wednesday audience there. I think the weather wasn't good enough to do it outside. And at one point during his uh, speech, a guy jumped over the fence, uh, just someone from the public, and started yelling from the back of the, of the room, I am the Pope and I'm the real Pope and you're an imposter. And he started running forward. And these Swiss guards, even though they look kind of interesting <laughs> with their uh, their um, you know uh, very colorful costumes they just jumped and ran towards the guy and he, he was on the ground in two seconds and uh, you could tell that they were very trained and uh, that this was a very efficient force and and they did what they were supposed to do and which is to to protect the pope and every once in a while incidents like this happen nowadays you always you also see other bodyguards walking uh, next to uh, the Pope's um, uh, the Pope's car or uh, walking uh, along the sides when for instance the Pope enters the Basilica uh, you always see these uh, black tie people and those are also uh, you know uh, regular rigorously trained bodyguards security guards um, that uh, that will basically do the same what the Swiss guards could do because uh, you can't have Swiss guards walking around everywhere <laughs> and so um, uh, yeah, the Swiss Guards, definitely, it is a military organization. These are young military men from Switzerland. That's why they speak in this, uh, with this strange accent in the movie. However, uh, they are not this uh, undercover uh, SWAT team um, and, and definitely not as violent as they are uh, presented in, in the story. got the big statue of St. Paul with the sword on the right side and on the left St. Peter with his keys looking down at the at the crowd and I'm um, now walking towards the imposing facade of the St. Peter's Basilica. We're actually gonna walk up the stairs. Normally you can't come here and you have to uh, climb up the stairs on the side but uh, since there is no audience right now they allow us to uh, just walk up right straight in the center of uh, the square up to the basilica they redid this pavement a couple of years ago and made it such that um, you could also use the papal jeep or the papamobile the 
Hopemobile to uh, actually drive down the pavement here. Uh, in the past there used to be regular stairs which were quite inconvenient if you had a car or a Popemobile. And so uh, walking towards uh, St. Peter's Basilica. As I explained before this is not a cathedral, just a basilica. And uh, we're gonna take a sneak peek. There's, this is all very well organized. You have to enter through one side. I'm now walking to the right. Then you have to leave on the left side. You can also climb all the way up to the cupola. The, and uh, you can also go to the, uh, the tombs of the popes. And there's also an entrance here. Although I'm not sure if it's open. I think that is already closed, or it used to be closed. Although we can, of course, take a look. I'm not so sure. Because this could be interesting story-wise as well, to go to the tombs. But on the other hand, I'm afraid that they are going to close the basilica. Because usually, you know, towards the end of the day, they, uh, they only allow people to leave, but not to enter the basilica anymore. So let's first go into the main building and see if we can enter. There are guards everywhere. I always am a little bit wary that they will uh, stop me because I'm carrying this digital recorder. <laughs> they seem to be very allergic. Anyway, it's still open, so I'm walking through the entrance here and... <sighs> wow, this always blows me away when I enter here. <sighs> Just the sheer size of the basilica. With the, the golden ceiling, the huge marble statues here on the right, of course, is the famous statue of the Madonna holding her son Jesus, who just, has just been taken off the cross, uh, beautifully sculpted by Michelangelo, now protected by glass, because there has been an attack on the statue and some, some uh, deranged person tried to destroy it, and so now it's, it's, uh, it's protected by thick glass, security glass. And I'm now walking across the beautiful marble floor towards the main altar. And you can clearly see um, the masterpiece that Bernini created above and around the main altar, which is this big tent-like structure on four twisted pillars. On top of it, a number of statues and a cross and, of course, the papal crown. And also the symbols for the family of the Pope who, at the time, ordered uh, this to be built, which was uh, actually um, the symbol of bees. And so you, you will see these bees everywhere. Also on the ceiling of this tent above the altar, you will see all sorts of bees crawling there. And that was all, of course, an homage to the family of the Pope who made it possible by their finance to, uh, to build this thing. Now this tent, um, Baldacchino, I think it's called in Italian, is built right on top of the altar. And as you know from the movie, underneath that altar, exactly underneath this altar, is supposedly the grave of St. Peter himself, the Apostle. And so we are standing on several layers of history here. Um, in the book it is 
you know, they refer to this very famous phrase in the gospel where Jesus says to uh, St. Peter, you are Petrus, you are the rock, and on this rock I will build my church. And they link that, and, and quite, you know, there's, there's a good reason for that. They link that to the fact that St. Peter's Basilica was built on top of the grave of St. Peter. And you might think that that is too good to be true. However, there, is, uh, there are very, very strong archaeological indications that this has indeed been um, uh, this has always been the location of the grave of St. Peter right from the start. And so um, the current basilica, as I told you before, is uh, a second basilica. There was another building f f here first, but it had the same orientation, which is kind of weird. It was built on a, on a hill outside of Rome and uh, by Constantine. And um, there's always been a little bit of puzzlement about the location and also the orientation of the basilica. It doesn't make sense. The only way to explain that, or at least the most plausible way to explain that, is that actually Constantine knew that the grave of St. Peter was located there and he just followed the, the orientation of that grave. And uh, that is why it's, it's on such a weird place, because this used to be a burial ground and Constantine had to pay so many families that had, you know, pagan families that weren't even Christian, that had their graves here. They all had to pay them in order to buy this, this hill and build the, the first basilica here. He could have chosen so many other spots for a beautiful basilica if he had wanted to. And so his insistence of building it right here on this weird spot uh, is a, already circumstantial evidence that, um, you know, there had to be a very, very good reason. And of course, that reason is probably that the grave of St. Peter was located here. Now, the current basilica is built in place of the old one. However, when they built this one, they actually elevated the floor a, a couple of meters. And the reason was that they discovered um, a, a big encasing of marble um, that protected a very old first, second century grave monument. And uh, archaeologists, uh, when they started digging underneath St. Peter's Basilica, uh, discovered uh, that, um, that tomb, um, and it was, that was originally also uh, made by Constantine. And so they didn't want to relocate that or, or touch it in any way. And so the only way they could build this new altar and this, this, this whole new configuration it was by just lifting up the whole thing a couple of meters. And so underneath the place where I'm standing right now is what they call the crypts, where you find the tombs of many uh, popes in the past. Also the grave of uh, John Paul II is located there. And uh, uh, here, for instance, is one of these um, metal grills in the floor, circular ones, and you know it's half open so you can see the floor underneath. There's actually a passageway that goes around the same area where the, the altar is located. And in the middle of that is this monument made by Constantine that protects this old ancient shrine that is believed to hold the remains of the first pope, of St. Peter. And um, so the basilica, uh, this was originally a hill full of, of graves, uh, people who just bury uh, their, their dead, deads here, and uh, they would also construct monuments, and uh, most of them were pagan. And of course, when, when St. Peter died here, 
um, Christianity was still a novelty and almost no one had ever heard of Christians. And so it makes sense that Peter, having been martyred, uh, most probably in uh, one of the uh, uh, circuses here, um, was, was located, uh, was just being buried among the other pagan graves. And uh, however, very soon, of course, that became a place of pilgrimage for, for Christians who came to celebrate Mass there, to venerate that, that you know, the remains of St. Peter. And so uh, archaeologists have uncovered this whole street of graves and, and you, can, uh, you can actually visit them. It's, it's quite a hassle to get permission to do that. I, I, a couple of months ago, I, uh, I revisited uh, those catacombs here underneath St. Peter. It's very impressive. Of course, all that was in the open air. Nowadays, it's like a, a subterranean little town almost, and you go through all these corridors, and you see a little bit of it um, in, um, in Angels and Demons, even though they, um, uh, they kind of... Uh, I think they used other catacombs or they recreated it because they never got access to the real thing. But, but it, it does look like that. Um, it's a little bit bigger than what they show in a movie. And, um, and they show you towards the end of the tour, because you'll always get a tour guide who will explain the history and you know, the, all the archaeology um, and, and the research that went into the excavation of these um, catacombs. Um, and, and they will show you this, uh, this marble box, basically, that contains this very ancient grave monument. And um, they tell you that they found graffiti on, on, those, uh, uh, on the walls surrounding that, that monument that, that clearly witnessed the presence of lots of Christian pilgrims that went there. And there's even uh, said to be an engraving uh, or graffiti that says, um, uh, St. Peter is here. And um, so they started examining the, uh, the human remains that they found inside that monument. Now there's a little bit of controversy, or there's quite a bit of controversy about the reliability of that, those examinations. And there were uh, lots of misunderstandings and, and you know, uh, disagreements between the archaeologists about the procedure. And so there, there is quite a bit of controversy surrounding the, um, the actual determination of the identity of the bones and um, it's said that there are actually uh, bones of several people in there and, and also bones of a horse and bones of a mouse or whatever. Um, but uh, also archaeologists were able to determine that they, they, there are bones of a young, well, of a, a man of a certain age which kind of coincides with the age that St. Peter must have had when he was martyred. Um, and also of a certain type, and I don't know exactly the details, but, and, you know, strong indications that, you know, it's not impossible that these are actually the bones of St. Peter. They've been replaced in, in the monument itself, and, um, and so the, the guides will always tell you there, there is no official statement of the Catholic Church that tells you, well, this is really the grave of St. Peter, you have to believe this, otherwise you're not a Catholic. But there is just so much circumstantial evidence, and this has been such an old ancient tradition surrounding this particular location in Rome that, you know, if you, if you put everything together, then there's just such a strong indication that this is indeed the place where St. Peter uh, was buried. And, and, and it just makes, it's a beautiful metaphor, of course. On this rock I will build the church. Well, the basilica, the heart of the Vatican, is built right here 
on, on the grave of St. Peter and when the Pope celebrates Mass in solemn pontifical occasions, then he does that at the main altar, straight above, you know, on top of the grave of St. Peter, kind of making this unbroken link with the, with the past, with the earliest origins of the church, which I think is, you know, symbolically very, very beautiful. So that is um, uh, a little bit, and, and of course in the movie and in the book, uh, that is exactly the place where the Illuminati plays the anti-matter bomb, um, you know, really trying to destroy the heart of, of Christianity, the heart of the Catholic Church, by destroying the grave of, of St. Peter. Um, the second important um, creation by uh, Bernini is what I'm looking at right now. I'm standing now behind the main altar and I'm looking at this beautiful window um, and the sun is setting and is uh, shining straight through this beautiful window of the Holy Spirit um, coming down from the sun. And uh, underneath that is, uh, that's a little bit harder and perhaps you've never noticed that because, you're, you're, because of the light, uh, you, your eyes uh, go straight to the window, but actually underneath it is something that is much more important, and that is the so-called Chair of St. Peter. Now, this is a big monument that was created by Bernini, and you see a number of bishops or popes, I'm not sure, and they carry um, this big chair, black uh, seat, almost a throne, and that is actually a container, and on the inside is an actual relic, a very old relic of a wooden chair. And that wooden chair was long time believed to be um, the actual chair of St. Peter, which he used when he was here in Rome and he was teaching. And so that would be his, his seat, that would, would be his throne. And so uh, even though, you know, nowadays historians are, are quite certain that that was not really an original artifact belonging, having belonged to St. Peter, um, at the time Bernini created this big monument to preserve that ancient uh, relic and, and, and give it a, a real place of honor inside this church that, you know, is so intricately connected to the story of, of St. Peter and his successors. And so that is the monument of the chair of St. Peter. And of course, above it, you see the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is the one who actually guides the church, inspires the popes and, uh, and leads us through history, according to the Catholic belief. So that's the second big monument of Bernini. But neither of these two documents were the actual um, signs that Robert Langdon was looking for in Angels and Demons. It was actually this small oval engraving in the pavement, which, as we know now, was not even made by Bernini. But hey, it's fiction. And so you can actually visit the catacombs underneath uh, St. Peter's Basilica and you can pray at the grave of John Paul II and many other famous popes. However, some of the popes are also put on display here in the Basilica itself. One of which is a very popular Pope, John XXIII. He was the Pope who uh, started uh, the uh, uh, Second Vatican Council, which has been extremely important in the history of the Church. And uh, so they excavated him, they took him out of his sarcophagus and uh, gave him a, um, 
um, a um, how do you say that a, a mask a mask of wax uh, of course because it's, you know bodies decompose and um, and even though um, some popes have been embalmed and preserved quite well they still always use these uh, these masks of, of bee wax it's a little bit like Madame Tussauds and uh, so I'm walking towards it there's always a big group of pilgrims praying here uh, because this this Italian Pope was extremely popular because it was a very warm charismatic personality and um, and he is uh, lying here underneath this altar in his papal outfit and so this is a this is a place where people like to come and pray and ask for his his intercession which is what Catholics do uh, we believe that we have um, a bond with those that are deceased and are part of the church no longer here on earth but the church in heaven and just as we can help each other and pray for each other while we're still all alive we can do that also even though we're separated by death because these these saints and these holy people uh, they are still living in God's presence so they can still help us that's the origin of our our prayers and that's why also uh, we keep these bodies in um, special locations, especially, you know, popes and uh, I, I can't tell you how many people pray at the tomb of uh, John Paul II. Uh, so many people consider him to have been a saint and so even though his official canon canonization still has to take place in the future, they still already uh, ask for his intercession and, um, and, and there are even reported miracles happening uh, thanks to the intercession of John Paul II, which all helps in this whole process of discernment of the church for was this a real saint um, or not? And should we pro pro proclaim him uh, a saint and an example for the church of tomorrow? Because that's what sainthood is all about. So I'm walking out of the basilica again. It's always beautiful. This place is so, it's almost magical. And you walk outside of this huge basilica and you see the, the beauty of, uh, of St. Peter's Square. And you can clearly see the genius of not only Bernini, but all the people that have, you know, designed and constructed this, this beautiful place. It's so stunning. Now, the only thing I, I want to check out is whether it's still possible to go and see the tombs I don't think so I think those are already closed but I'm not sure um, let me let me go back and see if we can if we can go there or not I don't think so I think it's already too late and they're closing up yeah yeah it's already closed so we cannot go um, to the lower part but uh, we have seen these uh, circular uh, metal grills in the, in the, in the, in the floor um, that they even use in the movie. Actually, they, they, they just, you know, later on in the story, they have to go down to St. Peter's grave. And so they open it up like that. And, um, and the ending is also so terrible when the Camerlengo decides to kill himself in St. Peter's Basilica by burning himself, uh, you know, and, and he's doing that right on the grave of St. Peter, there in the center. 
underneath the, the, the well, there's this, this staircase right in front of the main altar. <laughs> Again, when you see that in a movie, you're like, no wonder they didn't get permission to film that inside the real basilica. <laughs> Duh! <laughs> anyway, it's all special effects, but uh, I've, I've got to say they did a pretty good job um, recreating the basilica digitally, even though you can still tell a little bit that it's fake. It's actually a little bit too perfect. And there's just, uh, you know, the lighting, it's, it's all a little bit exaggerated and, and more, it's, it's more spectacular than in, in reality, even though it's already quite spectacular. Um, but somehow you can still always tell that they're, you know, it's digital wizardry, but they, they are getting quite close to the real thing. And what I've always think is most, most uh, impressive in a lot of these digital sets is how they can track the movement, they, they'll just move the camera around and follow the actors and the whole background will move in sync and it's a technique called tracking but they, they have perfected that to a degree which is just unbelievable. Nowadays you can, you can create almost anything. The only thing you need is an actor and a green screen and in the future you probably won't need any actors anymore either. You'll just recreate them, no problem. And so uh, that was information about St. Peter's Square and uh, a short visit to St. Peter's Basilica. I hope you enjoyed it. Our next stop is uh, going to be this other church that is quite far away and um, we hopefully will be able to uh, talk a little bit about that statue by Bernini of the uh, the uh, ecstasy of um, St. Therese and then from there we will try to find the next location that bears traces of Bernini and then in the end of course we will return here in the neighborhood of the Vatican and we'll wrap up this series about angels and demons but for now thank you for listening to this episode um, if you like these episodes, why not leave a review on iTunes and rate this show or give it a good rating, please? <laughs> or go over to uh, sqpn.com, the website of the StarQuest Production Network, uh, at www.sqpn.com for show notes and links to more information about the topics that I briefly talk about during uh, these episodes. Thanks for listening to, uh, to this one. Hope to see you next time. I'm Father Roderick from St. Peter's Square in Rome. Or I should say, from St. Peter's Square in Vatican City. Because it's not the same. I'm Father Roderick. <laughs> Take care and God bless. SQPN. Leading the way in Catholic New Media.